You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. I just sense I want to keep this atmosphere of worship of Jesus in our midst today. You know, I was just reflecting this week as I was preparing this message and I'm gonna preach Jesus to you today. I want us to have our eyes on Jesus and that's a good thing, church, that we come to him today. And I was reflecting on my life and I realized, you know, I became a Christian when I was 27 years old. I came to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I'm 33 now, I know I look a lot younger, it's okay. I'm aware. But I came to realize in these last six years from 27 to 33, Jesus has done more in those six years than I could have ever done in the first 27. His ways are higher, his ways are better. As I've submitted my life to him, it is amazing. And I realized without Jesus, I haven't got a clue. And that's okay. That's okay to admit that because with him, so much has changed in my own life. And I just wanna encourage us today to come with open hearts to Jesus. Thank you, Sarah. Appreciate that. Why don't we give Sarah a little round of applause? <laughs> See, the key thing for me, what I want to talk about today is that we would want to pursue Jesus more. That we'd want to have a revelation, a greater revelation than even we have now of who he is. Because he's worth it. And he's worthy as we've sang today. And that's my prayer for today is that we would want to know him more. And I want to speak into this a little bit. And um, I'm going to focus a little bit on the Apostle Paul. And uh, we sang that song just as I got up, let it be Jesus. And uh, it's interesting. I believe the words of those songs resonate to uh, Philippians 1.21. When Paul says these, he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And, you know, when I look at the Apostle Paul, I see a man that was just sold out for Jesus. You know, for me to live, he's saying, look, if I can live for Christ, then I know I've got a purpose on this earth. When you look at those verses, he's saying, I know God wants me to do something. There's a fruitfulness to my labor that I may advance the gospel. That's essentially what I think he's trying to say. But also he says this, you know, if I die, it's far better because I get to be with Jesus. You know, what an amazing confession. What an amazing set of words to say. You know, and, and we can look at that and we can say, yeah, but Paul was different. The apostle Paul was in his own league, and maybe you're right. He was in his own league. You know, he, he was just a man that we just look to and go as an example of who was consumed for Jesus. But we also need to remember this church. Paul was never always that way. He had to go on a journey. If anything, you could say he was the opposite way at one point. He actually persecuted the church. You know, it was only until his encounter on the road to Damascus in Acts 9, that we see the changing of a life. You know, this is what Jesus does. He changes lives. He meets you on the road that you're on and he changes the direction for good. And it's amazing when we look at the, the Apostle Paul because what we see is a transformed life that once was going against Jesus but is now advancing the gospel. We see the beginning of one of the greatest men to potentially have ever lived. You know, coming into a relationship with Jesus for Paul. It changed his world, but then through that, he changed other people's worlds. People came into a knowledge of Christ. But the reality is, and I want us to grasp this today as I focus on some verses in Philippians 3 in a moment, is that 
What Paul gave up, what Paul pursued, when he pursued Jesus, it cost him. It cost him a lot. It cost him an awful amount, a lot, can I say. But Jesus was worth it. You know, Esther last week brought a word about, um, uh, from Philippians 4 about saying that we can do it, that we can do certain things in Christ. And today, I'm going to focus on Philippians 3 for us. So if you've got a Bible, why don't you turn with me to the book of Philippians chapter 3. And I'm going to read these verses, verses 3 to 14. And they'll be on the screen as well. And this is what it says. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, wow, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. I don't fully understand what Paul is trying to say there, just to say, but it sounds really, really good. (laughs) Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And this is the word of the Lord. And we can say thanks be to God. And as we heard last week, the book of Philippians written by the Apostle Paul. And some have said that this book or this particular passage is some of Paul's best words to the church. You know, he writes this letter to the church in Philippi. And it's even more amazing to think that he's in prison when he writes this. You know, if it was me, if I was in prison, I'd probably want someone to write me a letter to encourage me. But Paul is writing a letter to the Philippians to encourage them. And this is the amazing situation that we find ourselves here when he writes this. And today I want to talk about, my title is this, The Surpassing Worth of Knowing Christ. The Surpassing Worth of Knowing Christ. Some of the Bible translations have said or have called it the excellence of the knowledge of Christ. And today I simply want to bring out three things that will focus us, simply will focus us on Jesus today. Three things that I believe that will help us in our journey. And as we look at the Apostle Paul and what he did, and when he wrote these words, what came out from his journey that we can use for ourselves and apply it to ourselves as well. And that we would be encouraged and stirred, ultimately church, to pursue Jesus more. That we'd want to know him more. That we wouldn't be satisfied with where we are, but we'd want to go after him daily in our lives. And the first thing I want you to see is this. Paul reconsidered what was truly valuable. 
You know, when we look at Paul's life and when we look at these, these words, he learned so much on the journey. And one thing that he's done, he's considered all the things that are important. And one thing that he's done, as we see in these verses, he's considered everything and he's come to a conclusion that everything else doesn't matter. Everything else is worthless. The only thing that matters is Jesus. The only thing that matters is a relationship with Christ. I'm just going to repeat verses 7 and 8 for us. This is what he says. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. You know, this isn't just a decision that Paul has made. He's got up and had a nice thought and thought, you know what, I'm going to write this that, you know, they're everything or everything that matters. The only thing that matters in life is Christ. He hasn't done that. He's considered it. He's come to consider it. The word in the Greek for consider is actually a word which means uh, to lead out before the mind. That's what it actually means, to, to put the argument in front of me. What he's saying is, I've grappled with this. I've weighed up the different things that have gone on in my life. I've weighed up the way I used to live and I've weighed up where I am now. And I've come to the conclusion of this that whatever were gains to me, whatever was really, really important to me, it's nothing compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. That's the conclusion that he's come to today. Just one question I wanna ask you. Do we have any accountants or bookkeepers or people who love numbers in this room? Put your hands up. Oh, there's a few people, yeah, I can see there's a few accountants, put their hands up. Put your hands up if you just really couldn't care less about numbers and you feel sorry for people that do. Okay. <laughs> A lot more hands went up there. But the reason I say that is because it's really interesting. Paul here uses accounting or banking language to make his point. He previously saw that his CV, what he once lived for, was something to be proud of. It was something that he should be happy about. And he actually credited it. He said this is something that he's putting credit into his account in a sense. I'll, I'll, make, I'll make that clear in a moment. He's saying this is a credit to me. This is what he says in verses 5 and 6 when he counted up all the things that he had done, all the things that he used to live for, what were gains to him? He was a Pharisee, someone whose interpretation of the law or the holding of the law was flawless. He was zealous and he believed in God, but he believed in, in, in the sense that he, in the Jewish faith and, and what he was on with as a Pharisee, he believed that that was right, so much so that he persecuted the church. He was circumcised. His family tree and background were spotless. It's a pretty impressive CV. You know, if Paul went to apply for a job for most synagogues, they'd probably say, you've got an interview. Your CV is very impressive. You know, what you have got is exactly what we're looking for. But he looks at all this and he considers it in the surpassing worth, in, in, in view of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. And he's made a decision, it's all a debit. It's all in a loss. It's no longer a credit compared to Jesus. It's like he takes all of the things that he's listed down and he struck a cross through them. It's like he's saying, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. Who cares? You know, I was zealous for the law. I kept the law. So what? I was of the tribe of Benjamin. Who's Benjamin? <laughs> a Hebrew of Hebrews. You know, the list could go on, but what he's basically saying is that it doesn't matter anymore. He's strucken them off the list. And what we're left with in the credit column solely and exclusively is Jesus Christ there only because he's the only one that can be added to us that gives us credit. 
anything else, he's what he's trying to say that he once lived for was worthless. You see, it is only through Jesus that we, church, that we can stand before an almighty God, blameless and holy, because of what he has credited to us, because of the righteousness that he has won for us, because of the victory on the cross that he won for us. There is nothing else that Paul could have done or that we could have done. This is what Jesus has done. Jesus is unrivaled in that sense. Man or woman at their best will always be a loss if they are without Jesus. Man or woman at their best will always be a loss without Jesus. Jesus is so important. And and the loss of such things, Paul is saying, this is worth it. It's worth it. In fact, those things that Paul once deemed important, not only does he consider them a loss, but he actually says that he considers them garbage. He considers them to be worthless, like garbage. In fact, I'm being nice in the way I'm saying it there. In in the Greek, the word is skubalon, which actually means waste desirable to be thrown away. It can also mean poo. If we're looking at it, don't worry, there's not poo in here. (laughs) I don't take things that far. But he's weighed it all up and he said, everything else is garbage, the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. He considers them garbage. And at the point of Paul's Damascus Road experience, when he encountered Christ in Acts 9, from then on, the value of such things or what he deemed important has now changed. Something has changed as to what he believes is important in life. And that is why he could say, I put no confidence in the flesh, no confidence in anything outside of my relationship with Jesus. You see, church, if Jesus is sufficient and perfect, then we can't add anything to it. You can't add valuable to something that is wholly valuable. It's like, it's already there, it's there. You can't add anything to it. Jesus in himself, he's in the credit column on his own in a sense, and everything else is in the debit because Jesus stands alone. Justification through faith, which is what we believe. You know, everyone needs Jesus. I believe that. I believe everyone needs Jesus. I I know a lot of people in my family and my friends who, um, you know, people I know quite well, who would say, you know, who are great people, They, they, they serve the community, they do good deeds, they're nice to people, they, they love people, and I, and I think that's a really great thing, by the way. I, I think it's great when generally the world comes together to make it a better place. So I'm saying that's a good thing. But then when I have conversations with these people, it's interesting what comes out. So I'll talk to them about Jesus, and I'll go, Jonathan, yeah, I know. I know what you believe in. It's great that you believe in Jesus, and that's nice for you. But, you know, I believe that you just need to do good things. You need to be nice to people because we're all going to the same place anyway. And sometimes I have to hold my tongue and say, no, but actually, there's a good, it's good, I believe, to journey with people. It's good to be friends with people. It's good to take people on a journey. You know, sometimes, not just telling people about Jesus is a powerful thing. It is powerful, but showing them Jesus is powerful. Taking people, showing them. In your own life, showing Jesus is powerful. But for us today, we, we know this, I'm sure, but I think it's really important that we do grasp this. That Jesus is the only way to salvation. Yeah, he's the only way to salvation. You know, people doing good things is good, but if people are trying to earn their salvation or get favor with God because of good things, then what Paul is saying is that's garbage. 
Your salvation is only appropriated through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah? It doesn't matter what you do to try and earn favor or to earn salvation. As Paul said, it's garbage. It doesn't do it. It doesn't make the cut. You know, I think by telling his own journey, an example, Paul challenges the Philippians and us today to consider, what is it that is of worth in my life at the moment? Do I fully understand or grasp the gravity of having Jesus in my credit column? Do I know that that is what it is that I need for salvation? You know, because sometimes we can get skewed in this. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of theories out there. Has anyone noticed? There's a lot of things that people say about what it is, what the meaning of life is. And some of them, you know, are nice, but not all of them are true. Jesus is true. Jesus is the only way to salvation. I want to affirm that today. You only appropriate eternal life. You only come in to eternity because of having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul is trying to say to us, I believe, as well. We need to ask ourselves, what is our boast? Are we boasting in the things that we're doing or are we boasting in what Christ has done? And are we willing to tell people about it as well? I want to say that as well. We have to be willing to want to tell people about Jesus. don't have to be weird about it. We can just tell them, you know, with the way that we are with them. Because if we truly believe that this is the product that is going to get people saved, then we need to start using it. You know, I I believe the best people that will go out and serve Jesus and share Jesus are ones that have confidence in their product. Confidence in the gospel. I have confidence in the gospel. It is the best thing that's ever, ever been made available. So therefore, I need to go and share it with other people. Because I want other people to have the best thing that has ever been invented by God. A way of salvation. People hearing me today. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Salvation is so important and we need to know the gravity of it and the importance of it. My second thing I want to share with you is this. Paul was willing to surrender all things. It's a bit similar to my first point, but it actually moves us on a little bit in the text. But Paul came to realize that what he previously lived for was garbage or a loss, as I said. But ongoing, what we see is a man that continually, continually surrendered everything to Jesus. And it even points to it in the text. There's like a past and a present tense that Paul uses here. So let me go back to verse seven. This is what Paul says. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. So whatever were gains to me previously, whatever before that I put hope in, me being a Pharisee, me being a keeper of the law, me being of the tribe of Benjamin, all those things that I thought were important, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. But then he doesn't stop there in verse eight. He says this, what is more? I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. And church, it's this idea that Paul has grown in his relationship with Jesus. And revelation has become greater as well. So what's happened is the Damascus Road experience where he knew that obviously what he once was doing was not enough for him to gain salvation. When he came to know Jesus, that was the point where obviously he he saw Jesus as his Lord and Savior. But from that point onwards, he's then grown in his relationship with Jesus to the point that he's writing this letter. And what I think he's basically saying, and this is my opinion on it, is that as he's grown in the knowledge, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, I've come to realize that not only things before are garbage, but anything else. He's got a freedom from things. He's come to a place of acknowledging that because he's grown in knowing who Jesus is. And I want to say, this is a challenging word for us today. If you're not challenged, then you know, come and tell me what does challenge you, because I want to know. Because this is challenging to look at all things that he may gain Christ 
And the reason I get challenged is because I've realized in my own life, there are a lot of things that can take my attention away from Jesus. You know, Paul uses the word all things. He doesn't really define what they are. But things is a small word, but how many of us know it's a huge topic? All things that I may gain Christ. You know, I've, I've realized in my life that it's so easy for my heart to be captivated by things. And by the way, I'm saying, I don't want, I don't, I don't want you to hear me wrong here. I'm not saying that all things are bad in terms of things that are within the sphere of God. Obviously, Paul had good things going on with God and good things that he was on with for God. What I believe Paul is saying is that anything outside the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, he's willing to let it go. He's willing to give it up for the sake of Christ. And what am I trying to say is that we must be careful that God's gifts are not replacing God. The things that we're on with, the things that we can sometimes get consumed with, the situations of life. And the challenge for us today is start to assess, what are we putting value on? Are we weigh, we've got to weigh it up as Paul did. We've got to consider what is it that I put value on and is it consistent with valuing Jesus? Am I willing to surrender all for Christ or am I not? See, when we grow in our knowledge and grow in our relationship with Jesus, I think we start to see what truly matters, what truly matters in life. But this is an ongoing thing. You know, it's not just at the point of salvation, but as we grow in our knowledge of Christ and our relationship with him, we start to see more and more of what it is that's really important. Now, as I came to follow Jesus, what I thought was important when I came to know Jesus and what I think is important now has changed. Now, there are things that have just slowly moved away because I've realized that in order to pursue Christ more and to pursue him only, there are certain things that I've had to let go of. I have to be willing to let go of these things because I want to pursue Jesus. There's a greater cause for the pursuing Jesus, which I need to prioritize in my own life. And this is what I think Paul did. He became more surrendered. And that's why I think he can say in chapter four of Philippians, I've learned to be content. I've learned to be content whether well-fed or hungry. Things didn't hold him. Difficult situations didn't hold him. All that mattered to him is whether he had Jesus because if he had Jesus, he was fine. That's what he's basically saying. And Paul is qualified to talk about this. Just want to say, he's walking the walk and he's talking the talk, but he's doing both at the same time. He's in prison for Jesus, in a sense, for being a follower of the way. And he's in prison writing this letter to the Philippians saying, I've realized that all things are worthless compared to Christ. Well, he can write it because he knows. He knows suffering. He's been through it. You know, I was thinking to myself the other day, how, how, much, how much does Jesus mean to me? Have there been moments in my life where I've realized that actually there's nothing compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. And I just was recalling some times that I've had with Jesus. You know, I've had so, so, some really standout moments in times of worship and reading God's word where I've just felt so consumed with Jesus. About a couple of years ago, just in my bedroom, I remember, has anyone ever done this before, where you, you get a worship song and you rinse it? <laughs> you just can't stop playing it because every time you play it, you can't help but be in the presence of God or feel that God is with you. And I kept playing this song and tears are coming down my eyes and I just feel so close to Jesus. I'm like, right now, whatever is going on and there were things going on, nothing matters right now. All I can see is my savior. All I can see is Jesus. And right now I'm consumed with him and I'd rather be here than anywhere else. 
You know, I'd realized in those moments that actually it's true. Jesus stands alone. There is nothing that can compare to him. There are so many times in my life where I can count. Actually, that was a moment where I realized there's nothing that compares to him. The surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. You know, my prayer for today was even for myself, and it may even be for you. My prayer was, oh, Lord, would you rid me of the tyranny of things? Lord, that things wouldn't get in the way of my relationship with you, but I would pursue you. Lord, that I would run hard after you in everything that I'm doing, that things wouldn't take over me anymore. Paul says that we should set our minds on things above because that's where Jesus is. That we should have a heavenly mindset. We should have an eternal mindset in our lives and stop focusing on the earthly things or the temporary things, the quick fixes. You know, we need to realize the worth of knowing Jesus because there are many things that can hold us. There are many things that can hold on to us and we can be consumed by them. Drugs, alcohol, I'm not against alcohol, but in moderation, I think it's okay, but we have, to be, we have to be wary of these things. Relationships, bad relationships that we keep going to, love of money, material possessions. Again, some of these things, if managed in the right way with Jesus at the center, are good things. But how many of us know that they can take a root in us? Trying to have the best Instagram account, the best Facebook account, being obsessed with playing FIFA or Fortnite. These things that can be okay in moderation, but sometimes they can be more than just things. You know, I myself, I, I love watching good films, but I've even had to realize that I can't be consumed by watching films if actually I'm not prioritizing time with, with Jesus. I'm not pursuing him. You know, YouTube, how, how we, you, know, you can tell what you like by just clicking on YouTube and it will show you what you like. It will tell you your whole life when you just look at your videos that you watch. It can be quite scary at times, can't it? But it shows you what it is that you're consumed with. But I think God, the ultimate thing I want to say, God wants us free from things. You know, as I said, some things in life are okay, they're good, these are good things, but generally he wants us to be free from things. You know, I was so encouraged the other day, I, I heard a testimony of someone, I met up with someone, and they gave me a testimony of how recently they've recommitted their life to Jesus. And before that, they were kind of on a different path. They were in a relationship and it broke down and it wasn't nice. It was, it was quite messy. But he said in the middle of that brokenness, he's been able to find Jesus. And he said the life that he was living, Jesus revealed to him what it is. He said he was living for material things, money, wanting to be successful, living an Instagram lifestyle, wanting to Instagram everything so that every, everybody thought or everyone could see that it looked good. But it was amazing. He said this to me, and it's ring, been ringing in my ears since he said it. He said, you know what I've realized though, John? He says, since I've come to know Jesus, God has started to show me all these things that have been consuming me. And I've realized that if, even if I lived in a one-bedroom flat in the middle of nowhere, it doesn't matter because as long as I've got Jesus, I know I'm gonna be okay. Isn't that an amazing testimony, church? How God is breaking into people's lives. You know, I was so encouraged by that. I was like, thank you, Jesus. You today, you're still breaking into people's worlds and giving them the right perspective on things. That there is a freedom from things when we come to know you. I was so encouraged. 
Now, Jesus says that he will satisfy us and he will satisfy us forever. You know, when we come to taste grace, when we taste the goodness of Christ, the world starts to look a little bit different, a little bit less attractive. We don't really want to be drawn to it as much because we've tasted Jesus. And the key thing I want us to get today is that God wants us free. And maybe you need to assess your own heart now. Today, are there some things that have taken the place of Jesus? Are there some things that are rivaling him maybe? And do some things need to change? And this moves me nicely onto my last point. Paul was able to let go and press on. You know, in his own world, Paul had come to realize that he had to give up things for the sake of Christ or to gain Christ. But the point is this, and, I, and it's really important we get this. When he let go, he truly did let go. He truly did surrender it. He truly did move on from it. Let's look at some verses that I've just read. Verse 14, verse 13 to 14. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. But one thing I do, it's like Paul is saying, one thing that I've mastered, I've started to do, is that I let go of what's going on behind or what's happened before, and I press on, I strain, I pursue towards Jesus. That, that's what it is that I want to do. That's what it is that I've made a priority to do. I push on to what God has for me. You know, he was willing to surrender all things, but also the thing that we need to know about Paul is this, is that whatever he had before or whatever he thought was worth anything before, that when he dropped it, he left it. When he dropped it, he truly left it and he wanted to pursue Jesus. And let's not forget, this wasn't an easy thing for Paul. It's not like this was really easy for him the wording in verse 8 when it says that I have lost all things for Christ, the better interpretation in the original is I have suffered the loss of all things for Christ. Now, it wasn't an easy thing. There was suffering involved when Paul chose to pursue Jesus. You know, he was beaten. He was flogged. He had to give up his reputation as a Pharisee. All these things that I'm sure were a bit painful at the time, but he said Jesus is worth it. Nothing compares to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. So he dropped it and he walked away from it to pursue what God had for him. He's not focusing on it. He's letting it go and pressing on. All he does is pursue Jesus. You know the problem that we have, I believe, church, at times, is that we don't truly surrender things. We don't truly surrender them. We drop it and we say, I'm walking away. But then we go back. We start playing around with it again. We don't truly surrender. We don't truly become free of them. How many of us know that we regurgitate what's happened in the past? We keep going over it again. We never move on. Sometimes we never move on from things that happened ages ago. I've spoke to people who have said, John, you'll never guess what happened to me. This is why this is going on in my life. And I think they're going to say something from last week and they say something from 27 years ago. And I'm like, oh, wow, okay, fine. That's quite a long time ago. I don't think I was born then even. But isn't it amazing how we can hold on to it? We, we don't truly drop it. We don't truly walk away from it. 
And hear me right, I'm not saying that we don't deal with stuff. We have to deal with it. You know, if things have happened in our life, if, if we've gone through struggles even recently, we've got to deal with them. I get it. You know, God's people are here for that. You know, we, we go to life group, we come to church, we, we pray for one another. There's, there's counseling available to help us, but we deal with it. But then what I also want to say, and this is a word for someone here, once you've dealt with it, start to drop it. Drop it at the feet of Christ. Drop it at the cross and start moving on. Start pursuing Jesus because you don't want that to keep hindering you. You don't want that to hold you back because it's not actually desirable. You know, there's things that have happened to me which I don't fully understand. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm someone who also understands how difficult it can be. But we can harbor bitterness. We've felt wronged. We felt people have done things to us. And we don't fully always understand. But sometimes it's not always about the why. It's about will you just drop it and give it to Jesus. Jesus knows why. But will you trust him? Will you give it over to him? You know, when I was younger, you know, I went through something that was uh, not easy for me. I, was, I think I was about eight years old. So, um, you know, I probably wasn't too much taller than I am now. <laughs> and I was riding my bike and um, these group of lads started to chase me on my bike. They, they had their bikes as well and they cornered me. And um, they just started to racially abuse me. And, you know, to be honest, I was scared. I was... It was horrible, actually. I, I didn't think I was going to get out. Somehow, it must have been God, now I look at it now, I escaped. Because I thought, I think they were willing to do more than just abuse me verbally. And you know what happened? I carried that for a while. And you would say, well, rightly so, John. That isn't nice. That's not a nice thing to happen to you. But I realized that, yeah, okay, I was wronged and I was hurt and I was carrying it, but it was hindering me. And then when I came to know Jesus, I, I, I remember when I went on the Freedom in Christ course a few years ago, there were some things that I just had to say, I'm going to drop this, Lord, because that is stopping me from living life to the full. How many of us know that, that if we don't deal with it and drop it, we can't pursue what God has for us. We won't be able to move on from it. And I know it can hurt, and I know it's difficult, but I think what Paul is trying to say is we can do it. Paul is saying as an example to us today, you can move on. You can pursue your purpose in Jesus. Will we trust and walk the path that he has for us? As I said, the word today for someone is, I believe, you've got to let it go. You've got to let it go. You've got to stop regurgitating over it. You've got to stop going over and going, why has this happened? But it's time to let go and to move and press on. Because there's something greater that God has for you. There's a purpose that God has for you. There's something that he wants you to strive for. Can I invite the band up, please? And one thing I also want you to see is this. Paul wasn't just dropping stuff, but then he was repurposed. God gave him another mandate. God gave him a new purpose to live by. I like to say this about Paul. When he met Jesus, he was unbound and then he was rebound. He was unbound from what he was once living for and then he was rebound for Jesus. He had a purpose that only God knew, that only he knew that he could fulfill with God. And another word I have here potentially for someone is this. In order to take hold, you've got to let go. If you want to take hold of what God has for you, you've got to let go. 
You've got to go towards what God has for you, the prize, but how many of us know we can't do it with all baggage with us all the time? I've come to know that myself. And when I hold baggage, I become less desirable. Because when you hold it for a long time, how many of us know that garbage, when left unattended and you carry it around with you, it's gonna start to smell. And actually it's gonna start to spill out in our own lives as well. And Paul was repurposed for something greater. You know, there's a lovely play on the words here in the text. Paul uses the word here, press on in verse 14. He says, press on towards the goal. And in, in the same word, the same word is used in verse six, where he says that he used to persecute the church. The word for press on and persecute is the same word. It's like God is saying, I redefine Paul's mission. He was once pressing on to destroy the church, but now he's left that behind and he's pressing on to build the church. Isn't that amazing that it's the same word? I think it's intentionally in there to show us that Paul was repurposed. And for me, part of the reason why Paul was able to move on was that he didn't wallow in his loss of no longer being part of the religious elite or what he'd lost or what he had boasted in, but he pursued the call and he pressed on. And he let go of anything that wasn't worth, of it, wasn't worth anything to him in relation to his Christ-like vision. See, when we know Jesus, we start to pursue purpose. My question to you is this, are you gonna pursue purpose or poo? Seriously, is it poo or purpose that you want? Because you've got to make a decision. You know, and as I end today and as I bring us to a point of reflection and response, you know, my, my question is, do you need to let go of some things? Do you need to put some things down and drop them at the cross and say, actually, these things that I once thought important or that were once holding me back, I need to just give them to Jesus because I gotta press on towards the goal that he has. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you say, yeah, you know, I need to respond to this. And I believe there's power in a response today for you that you'd say, today you're gonna make a step. Just like Paul, from that moment that he met Jesus, he took a step to go in a different direction and he was changed forever. And maybe this has resonated with you and maybe you say, yeah, I need to let some things go. There are some things that are rivaling where Jesus is in my heart and I wanna let them go today. Or there are some things that have allowed to hold me back, maybe from my past, but I need to let go of them today. And if that's you today, I want you to wonder if you could be brave enough. Would you stand now as a response? Thank you, great. 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 That's great. great. I'm going to give some more time. I believe more people need to respond to this. Now, this is your time to let go of some things that have held you back. That God would set you free today. That you'd make a declaration to him today. That's it. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. Brilliant. That's great. So I'm going to pray for us. You know, as, as I pray, why don't you start just giving these things over to God. Why don't you start surrendering these things that have held you back and put them at the cross today. Put them at God's feet today and say, Lord, I refuse to let these to hold me anymore. But Lord, I'm gonna pursue you, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Father, I thank you that you're in this place today. Lord, and I thank you for my brothers and sisters who have took a step today to stand for you, Lord. 
And Lord, my prayer today is that, Lord, that you would be magnified in their lives. Lord, where maybe things or things from the past that have held them back. Lord, where maybe things have stopped us or hindered us, Lord. Lord, we pray, Lord, would you set your people free today? Lord, I pray, Lord, for those who are maybe harboring things that have held them, Lord. Harboring things, Lord, that garbage, Lord, which has so restricted us in our walk with you, Lord. I pray that today would be the day of a new day. Lord, where we would pursue you, God. Lord, I pray, Lord, where we need an eternal perspective, where maybe some of us here, Lord, who are standing, uh, have allowed things to take root in their heart. Lord, would we exchange the things for you? Lord, would you take root in our heart today, Lord? Lord, would we pursue more knowledge in you? Lord, would we grow in our relationship with you? Lord, I pray that those people are here today, Lord, that they would know more of the beauty of you in their life, Jesus. And I pray, Lord, when we surrender it today, would we truly surrender it? Lord, would we drop it? And then would we walk and pursue the purpose, pursue the call that you have for our lives today, God? Lord, I pray, strengthen us in our hearts. Strengthen your people today that they may go from strength to strength, Lord, in the power of your Holy Spirit. And we do declare freedom today over your people. We declare the matchless name of Jesus Christ to be lifted up in this place. Lord, that your people would be your called out community that you've called us to be, Lord. In your holy name we pray. Amen.